Hello to everyone tuning into the Highly Optimized Podcast today. My name is Ryan Sprague, and throughout this podcast, I will be showcasing individuals who are living a life beat to their own drum, sharing their stories, and revealing their valuable information for each one of you listeners on how you can effectively take life into your own control, what steps to take to create your own path, and how to maximize your results in manifesting your dreams in this reality. Joining us today on the show is a man who from the first moment I met, I knew had an immense amount of power to transform the lives of those he interacts with and works with. He is a men's coach who helps men optimize their morning routine for health, wealth, and happiness, a mixed martial artist, and the creator of Morning Mastery, a program dedicated to helping individuals wake up their energy, focus, and inspiration in order to optimize their lives and get the most out of each day. Please help me in welcoming Alex Morningstar to the show. What's up, Alex? Hey, what's up, Ryan? Man, that was a really lit intro. Thanks for welcoming me. Well, hey, man, it was very deserved. I mean, you're a very lit individual, you know. Uh, we shared so many good laughs out in Colorado. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I had to uh, I had to come prepared, you know. Hey, well, thanks for having me, and hello to everybody listening. It's great, great to be with you all. Yeah, and thank you for sharing your time with us today, man. Um, you know, and I'd love it if we could get started, you know, as we usually do on the show with just hearing about your journey, man, hearing like how you got to where you are today, all the, you know, ups and downs and ins and outs and all that jazz. Yeah, sure. Um, I'll share a little bit about my origin story, my, my hero's quest. Mm. Uh, (laughs) so, you know, I, I grew up, I'm a coach and that's, that's what I'll talk mostly about. I'm imagining that's what that's where we're taking this thing a little bit. So, um, you know, I, I was uh, born with an interesting body. Uh, and so I grew up as an athlete learning how to, uh, work with my body a lot. Uh, my heart is on the right side of my chest and I've got some other things going on that are really cool and interesting. And so, uh, right from my birth, I've always been really interested in my body and how bodies work and, Uh, how people take care of themselves and do athletic, healthy things. So, um, you know, that's really at the root of of where I come from as a coach and as a mover, as a, as a athlete. Um, so growing up, I, I played sports. I was outdoors a lot and I did that all the way going up into college. Um, when I really got into mixed martial arts a lot more and strength and conditioning and I, I took all of that um, that interest and I really started to focus it. Um, I went to Portland State and the University of Oregon and trained a lot of places around that area. Um, and when I got done with college, I actually came back to my hometown and opened up a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu gym. Mm-hmm. And that was, uh, I also became a yoga instructor at that time. And that was really my, my foot in the door as far as becoming a coach, becoming a com- community builder, community leader, um, and starting to, to take what I sort of do naturally with myself and start to share it with people. Um, so for eight years, my partner and I, we ran, uh, my partner Jody and I, mm-hmm. we ran a uh, martial arts school in my hometown. And actually just this last March, we ended up selling that gym to a really good friend of mine, an awesome guy also named Ryan. And um, <laughs> Best name ever, we've now way. moved. Yeah, Ryan's are good people. I know from experience. Um, since then, uh, we've moved online, so I'm an online coach now, and I'm really excited because I'm I'm sharing 
a lot of my toolkit that I've been building for years that, uh, you know, the jujitsu gym wasn't exactly the right container for that. And, um, so now here I am. And as your intro, uh, indicated, uh, I help people optimize their morning routines with all the stuff I've built and learned over the years. And, um, that's the broad strokes of, of where I'm at today, Ryan. Yeah. I love that, man. And, you know, I'm, I love talking to people who are, you know, have an affinity for martial arts, um, you know, because I feel they truly create an immense amount of self-discipline and drive in the individuals I've met that do it. Um, you know, what role have these arts played in your life and what are some lessons you've learned about them as a result? Um, so I've done martial arts since I was five years old. Wow. And it's definitely been an underpinning and an anchor, like in my, in my path. So, um, you're totally, you're totally spot on. Martial artists tend to have a mindset or a habit or a practice of, of building structure in, in their development or structure in their day. Uh, you know, the way a dojo is set up, there are guidelines, structures, ways of doing things, and then a, um, a clearly laid out path of development. So in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, there's a, you know, a belt rank system and mixed martial arts. There's a, skill progression that everyone is aware of and um you know being immersed in that culture my whole life i have this way of taking a situation and starting to um find structure and patterns and pathways of development and so i'd say that systems mindset and that that development path mindset are are uh, two of the broad concepts that really influence a lot of who I am as a person and who I am as a coach, um, I really do like to take take a, I wouldn't say controlled approach to things, but an active approach to, to working toward the things that I'm interested in. Mm. Yeah, I love that, man. man I, I could keep going. I learned a lot from martial arts. I recommend it. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> I'd, love, you know, I'd love for you to keep going a little bit on it, too, because I feel like a lot of the listeners that I know I've spoken with anyway, and myself included, um, you know, I'm, I've been saying for years that I'm going to get into Muay Thai because I'm 6'4", and, you know, when you have lanky arms and legs, uh, it just makes sense to use them. <laughs> um, but I'd love to hear, like, some of the, the mindset work you've done um, as a result of mixed martial arts, you know, and how it's allowed you to move through life with ease and grace. Because one of the things that I noticed when I met you is just how f- how much in the flow you were able to be, but also how, like, action-oriented you were, right? So, you know, we we say this a lot in the show, like how in touch with your masculine and feminine sides you were. And I'd love to hear like, you know, how the process, and I don't, and I don't know the answer to this, but I'm just curious, like how the process of being in mixed martial arts and, and just martial arts in general um, has helped you. And, and is there a certain martial art that you gravitate towards more than others, like present day? Uh, yeah. So, being in the flow and being present and also being action oriented, like you mentioned, um, man. Yeah. So doing functional martial arts training. So Muay Thai, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, wrestling, these, these arts that are sort of known to be very like practical. Mm. Um, it teaches you through immediate feedback 
and so you you don't really have an opportunity to not be present when you're doing those art forms <laughs> right like yeah. you learn to keep your eyes open you learn to be very sensitive to what your partner's body is doing you learn to um check in with your breath regularly while you're getting smushed and um as somebody you know i wouldn't say i grew up being a very grounded and present person i'd say that i had some habits of anxiety or distraction or lack of focus in some ways and um through doing functional martial arts training muay thai jiu-jitsu wrestling all that stuff um you know, you show up and you're very present with what's happening and you, you learn to get, uh, you know, let go of the thinking mind and let the body take over. Um, you learn to, it, it, uh, it's a strong medicine that asks you to be very present with what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's one thought I had about, about, you know, being in the flow in terms of, martial arts and what that helps you do yeah and you know it's really cool too because you know you mentioned anxiety there right and anxiety is not cool but i'm getting to the cool point right so um you know i'm curious as to what your views are like with the state of the world right now right like especially like right now in 2020 um you know i've found in my practice and i'm curious if you've found in yours too um, especially with men that like, you know, men are having like an insane amount of anxiety and maybe they've had it all along, but it's showing up now, right? For, for one reason or another. And I'm curious, like what your thoughts might be on like, just why that's happening, you know, and we can touch on like the spiritual side of maybe what's going on here and really anywhere you want to take this, but I'm curious, yeah, as to what you feel, why you feel this anxiety is so present right now. Yeah. What I would say for myself is I do notice myself being quite grounded these days where, you know, I'm, I'm hearing other people saying they're feeling uprooted and anxious. Mm. Um, I'm feeling really grounded lately. Same. And yeah. I think a big difference um, for a lot, of, if, if we're talking about men specifically, something I notice is a um, men could spend some time being more in their body. Mm. And what I mean by that is that when you spend a lot of time up in your brain, um, we tend to get upregulated with the way we're breathing. We tend to get, you know, in these cycles of thinking that reinforce stress patterns in the body. And um, I notice a lot of men are lacking that relationship with what their bodies experiencing and what, what's happening in the immediate presence around them, like right in this moment. So, um, a lot of men listen to podcasts and read and they're doing a good job educating themselves on, you know, for example, anxiety or health or fitness. And what I think a lot of men could use is some applied practice where they're taking all that stuff that they're trying to learn and just slow down in their day and apply some of it to what's actually happening in front of them, you know, um, if you're in your head trying to solve all the world's problems all day and you're not present with what you're going through, uh, that's a lot of burden to take on. That's a lot of things to try to juggle and try to solve. And um, I find that people can skip ahead to trying to do that while at the same time forgetting to breathe, forgetting to eat, forgetting to move. 
And uh, the more we forget about doing those things, the more we get disconnected and unembodied and untethered. So I see anxiety as like a, um, a lack of grounding, a lack of presence. And uh, people try to solve it. I, I watch people try to solve it with their mind. They go, oh, my mind is anxious. I'm going to solve it with my mind. And <laughs> um, so that's what I see from my perspective as somebody who loves, I love putting hands on people. I love being in my body. I'm very nourished the more I'm in my body. Um, that's what I'm seeing as far as anxiety and the people I work with, the people I know, um, and it's like, if I can work with somebody to, you know, take 10 deep breaths right now, or get up and wiggle your body around and shake out, uh, it's, it's humble, the stuff that really helps us. Mm. Very, very humble tools. Yeah. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly with that. And, uh, it's funny because I know in my own experience, that's exactly why I was experiencing anxiety, you know, pretty much my whole life. Um, you know, I've been very cerebral dominant for a long time. And, you know, I think that's uh, because growing up in school and everything like that, you're praised for your book smarts, you know, for your brain. But you're never really praised for what your heart does, right? Um, school's just not really set up that way, and neither is college. Um, and so, you know, I feel a lot of people, men and women, are becoming so cerebrally dominant that they're forgetting the gift that slowing down really is. And I say gift because I know for me, it was the best gift I could have ever given myself. And, you know, I know even in Colorado, I was having moments where I was, you know, talking to different uh, men there and they were stating the same thing about how, you know, inner work, right? Like meditation, breath work, affirmations, uh, journaling, all these things, just taking a walk. I mean, just spending time by yourself with yourself. Um, you know, those times, uh, I know for me speaking for myself have been, you know, some of the times in which I've like, you know, not really given enough time for. Um, so like if I have a really busy schedule one day, I'd be like, Oh, you know, I can cut meditation out in the morning and I'll, I'll do it at night, you know, but it, it never happens that way, you know? And so I know like making that my non-negotiable, right. Is, has been a life changer, um, for me and a game changer. And, um, I wholeheartedly agree that men, like we're very action oriented, right. That is masculinity, right. We like structure. We like knowing like, okay, this is my schedule. Boom, 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 boom. And, um, and the feminine wants to flow, you know, it wants to, you know, kind of relax and it wants to, you know, uh, feel more into things rather than think them. And I loved that, you know, that uh, statement you brought up about thinking because I have an analogy that I use for the men that I work with. And I say, you know, they're like, you know, my brain is just going so fast. And I'm like, well, how do you how do you go about solving it in your daily life? Like, what do you try to do? And they were like, well, usually like just like you said, like I try to think my way out of it. And I'm like, well, how's that working out for you? And they're like, not good. I'm like, okay, so now that you know it's not good, right? Because, you know, again, with coaching, you try to never tell people like, hey, that's not good because you want them to come to their own conclusions. But one of the analogies I use is like picture a traffic jam, right? Like, like, a, like a Boston traffic jam, or like an L.A. traffic jam, right? Where you're not going anywhere. That's your brain when you're overthinking. 
and then trying to think your way out of it is like saying, you know what will make this traffic jam better? Let's put 100 more cars into it, <laughs> and it will just push it <laughs> along, you know? And uh, so that's the analogy I've used. And I know when I first heard it, it really helped me a lot um, because it was like, oh, that makes sense. And, um, you know, I love speaking in analogy because I feel like I, for me, it's been a huge gift. Um, so for the listeners listening, I'm sure you hear me use analogies all the damn time. And that's why. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's interesting, you know, and I feel like anxiety is the result of this overthinking on a on a massive level. And now it's just coming out because people, you know, especially this year, once again, they haven't been able to hide it under, you know, tons of work and, you know, tons of going out with friends. I mean, people have been home, you know, so now all of a sudden it's coming to fruition, you know, and I think that's just so interesting, you know, and uh, on the subject of, you know, keeping ourselves centered and, you know, keeping ourselves mindful, um, you know, I feel keeping ourselves centered each day is paramount, you know, if our wish is to keep our mental real estate as we go through our lives. Um, and considering you have a wealth of experience in the realm of routines and self-care practices, what are some of your favorite modalities you use to stay centered on a daily basis? Um, so I have a, I have a lot of tools that, you know, I can draw on out in the periphery, but I'll share the core structure of what I do. And, and I recommend this structure to, to anybody. Um, but it's, it's movement, it's breathing and it's journaling. Mm. And, um, those words can all be as complicated or simple as we want them to be. So movement could mean, gymnastics which is very complicated and and it might be hard for somebody to just start doing gymnastics in the morning every morning to stay centered right yeah <laughs> uh, the sim the simple version of moving is you put on a song in your garage and you wiggle your body for five minutes when you wake up mm. so so moving first thing in the morning in any regard and and that's um, that's one. And people tend to overthink that because they think they need to have like the ultimate workout so that they get great abs or something. Um, the misinformation there is abs really don't come from the workout; they come from what you're eating. Uh, yep. And also, you're beautiful no matter what. So, <laughs> fuck hell it. yeah, um, hell yeah. So movement is an underpinning. Uh, next up, breathing. And for me. Breathing is a really crucial thing that I've fallen in love with. I grew up, you know, having asthmatic tendencies from food allergies and various things, and then some organ function with my heart stuff. And so I, I had a realization several years ago, even as a yogi and martial artist, that I did not know how to breathe. And I just was not taking the time to think about it and work on it. And so, again, you can get as complicated as you want, or you could just say, I'm going to try to take relaxed, big breaths 10 times. Can I open my chest more? Can I open my belly more? Can I open my ribs more when I do that? And then finally, uh, moving into journaling. And when it comes to that mental chatter, this is a great thing to do. Again, you could, you could do very detailed work, or you could simply do a free flow of consciousness and allow your thoughts to just come out onto the paper as a reservoir for all that energy cooped up up there in the brain. And so 
ultimately that's the core of what I do. I'll, you know, even if I've, I got seven minutes today for some reason, I'll move, I'll breathe and I'll journal a little bit. And if I don't do anything else in the day, um, that's really the core of what I'm about. Um, then I, you know, add in plenty of other tools when you feel like it, cold showers, going for a walk or a run. Uh, I train my dogs in the morning. So I have a, I have a lot of stuff I like. Um, but those three are really my, my root. Mm. Those are awesome, man. And I'd, I'd recommend them to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Those are awesome. And you know, it's funny because, um, when you were talking about just wiggling your body, right. To your favorite song, it's like, you know, I've dealt with like neck tension and headaches and things like that, um, for, you know, some years now. And, um, one thing I've noticed is even if like, you know, uh, and this is one of the, this is like literally my least favorite aspect of this whole 2020 thing that we got going on. But, um, you know, if I'm feeling like really stiff and kind of just like, ugh, and you know, like I'm trying to think my way out of it, like, okay, I got to get a massage, got to go to the chiropractor, got to get acupuncture, got to stretch more, got to foam roll and just like losing my marbles in terms of like figuring out too much stuff. Um, you know, I just go to a show and I just dance like a crazy person and you know, you throw your body in crazy positions that shouldn't feel good right i'll stay up till (laughs) four in the morning right like like every do everything quote unquote wrong that you could do but just that dancing and just like being a primal human i wake up feeling perfect the next day like i'm talking perfect um and i mean i don't drink so that could be a part of it but also like i mean i'm staying up till four i'm usually eating something uh because food is like my favorite drug so Usually we'll get some uh, breakfast on the way home or something. So I'm breaking a lot of my cardinal rules, but um, that's a perfect you know example of how the brain can tell you like, oh, this isn't good, this isn't good. But one of the things I was talking about with, I believe it was Dave Robinson the other day, because we were talking about um, the difference between you know always eating healthy or always doing this getting stuck in those like rigid routines and you know and reinventing the language we use around those and. So like one of the things I came up with was like, this is nourishing my soul, you know? And so I use that for food. I use that when I party, you know, late, I use that for anything that I know is like, you know, yeah, it might, people might, you know, scientists might say, or science might say, this isn't good for me, but you know, what's the best feeling love. And you know, what gives me love wiggling my body, going out, seeing people staying up late sometimes eating, you know, not exactly perfect sometimes like you know, that stuff has its place as well, for sure, you know, and so I thought that was cool um, that you brought that up, because I I think that's the best thing to start your morning with, and uh, that was one of the best aspects of level two of Unlifted, was it was our assignment mm-hmm. every day to listen to our walkout song, you know, um, mm-hmm. and <laughs> dude, your walkout song really got me, like when we were on that Zoom call last week, and I was like, dude, I am vibing on this, you know, uh, so mm-hmm. I gotta thank you for that, but you know, the other thing you brought up that I wanted to touch on too was like movement, right? And the subject of movement and what movement, you know, should be versus what it could be. Right. And I think a lot of us speaking for myself, once again, got stuck into so long, like you were saying like, okay, you know what? My movement is doing a ridiculously hard workout for an hour a day. And then I'm going to a job where I'm standing or sitting pretty much the rest of the day. And one of the things I've done now is I still like my hard workouts, but um, since transitioning over to coaching, you know, I make a point that anytime I have a coaching call, um, I go to a park, you know, and if it's a call like on a phone, I just walk, you know, and I spend a lot more time walking and biking and just, you know, like moving throughout my whole day versus just moving for like an hour of the day. Um, 
and I thought that was cool too. And then uh, your your subject on breath there, right? Um, so true, man. Like my diaphragm, um, being six four, like I've had like my own weird uh, challenges in my body. I've noticed, and I'm starting to really become aware of them now uh, with a couple different trainers I'm working with. Where I'm like, yeah, like I kind of I think we've just been like trying to make myself fit in a short person's world or something because like my my proprioception has just been off in like my body so uh three years ago was when i learned how to really use my diaphragm and uh for yoga specifically especially hot yoga like you just got to learn how to use your diaphragm and uh you know it's it is life force you know pranayama you know and uh yeah so i loved that aspect that you talked about as well and then lastly uh the subject of journaling and this is something that I've struggled with, with for quite some time because, again, my brain says, okay, if you're going to sit down and journal, you got to write like a story, you know, and you got to write like, you know, five pages, right? And that makes me not want to journal, you know, because um, I want to play guitar or do something else. And so what I've turned, tuned into now is just waking up and writing a sentence, right? So, like, for everyone listening who might be feeling the way that I felt, like, you know, just journal one sentence. Like, how do I feel when I wake up? Like, I feel this today. And, you know, I'm curious as to why it is, you know, leave it at that. And then later on at night, come back and journal again, or don't, you know, but yeah, it's whatever you make it. And so I wanted to touch on those real quick, too. And, uh, you know, piggybacking off the last question. um, I know that, you know, my, my day is either made or broken dependent on if I choose to do my morning and nighttime routines, right? So I'm curious as to if you have a nighttime routine, and if so, what does it look like? Yeah, I, I definitely have a nighttime routine um, because sleep is sleep is um, foundational, you know, for our health and our happiness. <laughs> and uh, so here's what I would say, like the ideal, if, if things all go according to plan, but I remember to not stress about it also. But, uh, I work with folks and I tell them one hour before bed, set an alarm on your phone. Hmm. And when that alarm goes off, it's time for the cool down. Okay. Um, morning times to get fired up, night times to cool down, get ready for bed. So when that alarm goes off, we're going to turn off the TV, turn off the screens, put the phone on airplane mode. Um, you know, honestly, I have a working hours window, and when I'm out of that window, I, I just put my phone on airplane, and people can't get at me. So mm-hmm. it's that's a personal decision I make. Um, but, yeah, when that alarm goes off, I turn it all off, and the simple the simple version is now you just do whatever you want for an hour without screens. Mm. If, if people made that shift, um, that would be huge for most everybody. Now, if we go a little more deep with what, well, what would you do if you have that hour without screens? Um, things like I love myofascial release in the evening. So people might know that as foam rolling or using a theracane if, if their PT gave them that stuff sometime. Um, I'm really into that. And then, uh, you know, I won't be eating during that window of time. And, um, you know, my favorite thing is just to stretch out, maybe smoke a bowl, uh, read something, just really chill out and relax for that last hour before going to sleep. Mm. Yeah. Everything you just said 
I love. Um, <laughs> you know, I um, I definitely tune into that. And I love something you brought up there, which was, you know, at a certain point of the night, you just turn on an airplane mode. And what I, what I felt there was like, that's a boundary, right? And um, I feel it's so important to have those boundaries, you know, because a lot of us, especially us coaches and us that are in the realm of like healing work and energy work and light work, you know, we want to help everyone, right? And so I know, speaking for myself, once again, like, you know, if someone hits me up late at night, you know, a lot of times I will kind of, you know, put myself second to help them. And of course, if there's someone who, you know, like my girlfriend is going through something, you know, deep or something, I, you know, I'll make exceptions. But yeah, like setting those boundaries, because again, like, like we talked about every, I think, 10 minutes in Colorado, you can only fill someone else's cup with your overflowing cup. And if you're trying to pour from an empty cup, it's just a recipe for burnout, you know, and then if you burn out, you're not going to be useful for yourself, for your loved ones, for your clients. Um, So yeah, setting those boundaries is so important. And so I challenge anyone listening to ask yourself where in your life you should have some boundaries. And if you have trouble with setting them, ask yourself why you're having trouble setting boundaries, what's coming up for you, you know, and then talk to Alex or I, we'll help you out, you know, <laughs> um, and, you know, I love that you brought Definitely. up eating, yeah, I love that you brought up eating too, because, um, man, do I love food, have I said that yet, I love food, um, but, <laughs> but um, you know, I always uh, try to do three or four hours before bed where I don't eat, which is challenging, you know, because um, I love, like, what I do, I love coaching, and sometimes, like, the day just flies by, and you know, I'm stuck in my masculinity and, I'm, and I don't eat enough. And, and at night it's like, ah, I'm relaxing. So it's time to just gorge myself, you know? And, uh, so that's a big thing too, because as I'm sure, you know, like when your stomach's full, you're digesting all night and your body can't, you know, give yourself the rest that it needs. Um, especially if you're eating flesh foods too, you know? And so, um, I really try to set my boundaries on that as well. And, um, you know, I'm curious because throughout our lives, you know, we all will inevitably inevitably face periods I refer to as dark nights of the soul, right? And from the hero's journey. However, these periods can also allow us to grow massively if we choose to find the lessons hidden within them. What have been some of your biggest challenges and what lessons have you learned as a result of them? Hmm. Biggest challenges. I'll say you know, in this current, this current chapter I'm in, um, becoming an online coach and transitioning from a martial arts instructor to a, you know, a men's coach, the, the challenge I was running into was, um, that identity work in making that shift. Um, so to explain that a little bit differently, uh, I was really used to one identity and receiving money in one way and uh, marketing myself in one way. And when I made the decision that I wanted to be serving and showing up differently, um, I ran into a lot of stories about who am I to present myself this way? Who am I to, you know, um, who, who the heck goes online and does an online course? that that even was a little foreign to me when I first started being, you know, a brick and mortar jujitsu gym owner. Mm. So I'd say the the growth in my business as a uh you know, transitioning from a gym owner to an online coach uh leading this new program has been really challenging. Um there's like 
a lot of vulnerability that comes with putting yourself out there and marketing yourself. And there's a lot of um, fear around, you know, uh, are people going to judge me? Am I enough for helping people? Who am I to help people? And um, I'd say working through those stories with with a great group of people over the last couple of years has been one of the most rewarding things I've done in my life because um, those obstacles are at the root of many of the other obstacles I might mention, you know, um, at the root, I had these stories that were limiting me and facing them was really scary. And when I did face them now, it's so empowering and freeing. Um, so I would say like the hero's journey of personal development and seeing myself and presenting myself fully over the last couple of years has been a really powerful journey. Um, tapping into really loving myself and being brave and comfortable sharing who I am. Um, yeah. Does that make sense? Are you following oh, yeah. that? What I'm saying? Dude, yeah. absolutely. You know, and one of the things I was going to say is like, I love that you brought that up because I'm sure a lot of people listening are going to resonate with that. You know, I mean, I know I sure do. I mean, that, you know, when I first started coaching uh, and left the cannabis industry, you know, I was like, oh, man, what are people going to think of me? You know, and then I spun these stories of like they're all going to think I'm a fraud and all these things. And what ended up happening um, was like most of them were like, hey, man, good for you. Yeah, you found something you love. Awesome. Like, you still going to do cannabis stuff? I'm like, you bet. They're like, cool. I'm like, <laughs> that was about it, you know. And, uh, you know, so I'm curious, um, you know, the subject of story work is something that comes up a lot on this podcast considering you know we have so many badass story work coaches in our circle and um, I always love asking how story work has affected your life as a whole because you know I mean really our whole entire life is made up of just the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves so I'd love to hear about like you know even maybe your first time that you realized like oh shit that's a story that's playing in the background and like what your process was of like realizing that and then being able to like change it and like what was on the other side of that I'd love to hear that Um, I can think of one uh, retreat I attended last year and I can, I can see the transition that happened in the course of several days in, in the way I was showing up. And, um, so when I arrived at the retreat, I remember I was really stressed and intimidated and nervous, uh, like, who am I going to run into? Am I going to be cool enough? Are people going to accept me? I had all these stories running, and I was very, like, rigid and tense. And I was excited as heck, but also, you know, a little nervous about the whole thing. And um, we did story work throughout the course of that retreat. We did journaling. We did breath work. We did all sorts of workshops. And I remember on about the third day, we were down on the beach in San Diego, 7 a.m., the sun was rising, and uh, and uh, Mar uh, uh, Brandon Powell was mm. playing the drum in the middle of our circle, leading breath work, and we went for an hour of breath work, um, and I remember sitting up and looking across the circle at some of my friends at the retreat, and I just had this overwhelming feeling of safety and love 
And it was almost one of the first times in my life that I've actively felt like that level of safety toward, toward new people. Um, and it was in that moment I saw a shift happening in the internal stories that were running. And the shift went from, uh, it's scary being around new people because they probably won't accept you and you're probably not enough and they're probably going to be irritated having you around. And it went from those stories to you are safe being around people, you are loved, and you can give love and people receive it. And um, and so that was a combination of, of breath work, journaling, spending supportive time in a group of supportive people. And um, that story stands out to me because of this, such the short window of time in which a change happened. And that showed me that really, like, if you're ready to make changes, it just takes the right intention and the right action. And it can happen in the course of several days. You don't have to wait years to become the new person you want to be. It can, it can be, it can happen. Uh, it, just, it takes intention. Hmm. Yeah, and I'm really glad you mentioned that last part, too, about, like, that it doesn't need to take forever, you know? And that was something... That was a story that I know was playing in my life, you know, and the story basically went along the lines of like, life is hard, you're probably not going to accomplish much, and it's going to take a long time, and it's going to be really, really hard, right? And what I was doing with that story was trying to, like looking back on it now, I was trying to protect myself because I knew that I was willing to work as hard as it took. Um, So if I told myself like, hey, it's going to be really hard, then I figured like the best case scenario is it's not hard. And the worst case scenario is it's hard and I'm ready for it, right? But, um, you know, it's funny how the more you learn about manifesting and the the more you learn about being the creator of your life, you're creating that reality, right? So everything was hard because I assumed it was going to be hard versus, you know, if I like if something's really hard, um, you know, I have to take a step back and ask myself, like, okay, am I just learning something new? Like, am I learning a new instrument, which is going to be hard? Or is it just something that doesn't? mesh well with me right and am I trying to swim upstream and force something that's not meant to be and so that insight has helped me a lot and it's allowed me to double down on the things that are hard and and realize that actually they're not really hard because if it's something that is challenging right and quote-unquote hard but it's something I want to do then it doesn't feel hard. It just feels fun and it feels like a challenge. You know, it feels like, you know, when you're setting a new PR or something, you know, in the gym and it's, yeah, it's like hard, but it's fun, you know, like, and so that was a big distinction for me uh, in my own story work. And, you know, I'm curious because a lot of the things you've gone through, um, especially like martial arts and cold exposure and all the things that we talk about, um, there's a certain level of fear that goes with that, you know, and, I'm curious what role you think fear plays in our lives and what role it's played in your life. Yeah. Uh, every time I would go to a jujitsu tournament, uh, I was, I had a lot of fear. <laughs> um, Understandably. Like the night, <laughs> the night before and standing on the edge of the mat about to walk on and there's a crowd of people watching you. And um, what I love about that visceral experience about like walking into a ring to like rumble with somebody in front of people is like, it's one of our, it's a, it's a really big fear for people and doing it time and time again and learning to breathe 
and be with the experience and go out and perform in a relaxed way. And even, you know, by the end of my, I don't compete too much anymore, but by the end of my competing, I, I remember I'd go out smiling and it, it was a whole different experience where it went from this like almost paralyzing fear when I was a white belt to almost an excitement. Like I was about to skydive and I couldn't wait to do it. Hmm. And, um, so that's been, that was one journey for myself and like an example of fear that was coming up and then how I was able to work through that and, and change the relationship to that experience. And, um, what it what it did for me was I got really comfortable doing something really intense and and complicated and now in other situations uh, I can have a really calm energy whereas other people might be a little flustered and so in that case fear was a guide it was saying like hey if, uh, let me back up for a second um, fear often lies outside of our comfort zone. And so I think about the, the hobbits leaving the Shire and they say like one <laughs> yeah. more step and I'll be, you know, furthest away from the Shire I've ever been or however they say that. Yeah. And, and then they go on and have a legendary adventure and, and accomplish all these things and help so many people. And so for me, fear has value. It's like, Hey, just be aware, you know, you're, <laughs> You're going into new territory, so be aware. <laughs> and then that's also a guide because it's saying, hey, you're going into new territory. Mm-hmm. That's good. There, There's opportunity in new territory for growth and new connections and new experiences. And so I think a lot of people look at fear and they are afraid of it and they contract when they start to feel it. So, for example, they would not continue doing jiu-jitsu tournaments because they experience fear um but instead if you can feel those feelings coming up and and look at fear as a teacher or a helper that's go that's indicating to you hey you're right on the edge of your comfort zone keep going you're mm-hmm. growing right now um then i see fear as becoming something that's like a very good teacher um when people aren't really sure what to do or where to go, they can look at that feeling telling them that they're at their, their boundaries and follow that feeling and, uh, counterintuitively seek out that feeling rather than, than shrinking from it. You know, it's such a cool way you just described that too, because what I kept thinking was two things. Uh, number one, which I think I said in the last episode, uh, but I'll say it again cause you can't say it enough. Um, negation acknowledged which is fear can either stand for forget everything and run or face everything and rise right and you know another one that i love is false evidence appearing real you know and uh and one of the cool things that i've uh i've done too because now i chase fear you know um and it's not like i'm a crazy person it's just like you know fear that i know i'm going to be safe in you know like for instance like an ice bath in january in boston right like yeah scares me you know like it's 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 damn cold out you know we did one last year it was like 18 degrees out and we had to kick through the ice to get into like the tub and um of course it's like all us guys there was a monthly men's meetup my buddy throws so we're all like i'm staying in two minutes well i'm staying in two and a half minutes you know and so like before you even get in you're like oh man this is gonna this is gonna be brutal you know but 
what I've what I've trained myself to do, and I, it sounds like I think most most of us that are in like these really exciting self development worlds are doing this, is in a way we've pavlobbed ourselves uh, to you know to excite over fear, you know. So where fear was once something we we got nervous over, right? Now we've kind of like just like Pavlov did to his dogs and his experiments. Like now we 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 feel fear and we immediately get excited, you know, because we know like ooh that's a chance to grow, you know. And um, I also wanted to <laughs> just throw in there. You mentioned skydiving, and I felt the experience of skydiving. I've never done it, uh, and my hands got so sweaty. And so I'm like, damn, that's <laughs> that's another fear. <laughs> uh, and you know that and swimming with sharks are like my two things. I'm like, I know at some point in my life I got to do both of them because they're they're like my biggest <laughs> quote unquote fears, you know. Um, so yeah, that's uh. And now that you know, apparently now like the the Cape is like the hottest spot for great white sharks in like the whole world, um, which i think it's just bonkers but it it is true i looked it up um and uh yeah so maybe i'll get the chance to swim with sharks sooner than i thought you know but um i'm not gonna do it uh you know without a cage (laughs) so you know i'm curious um you know us both being coaches i love asking other coaches this um you know it seems like just a couple years ago right when people heard the term coach they were kind of like oh yeah whatever and now when i tell people i'm a coach they're like hey how can you help me you know or can you help me and i've noticed that big shift in perspective um you know across the people i work with and just across like it seems like the globe at large from the people i've talked to other countries and such Uh, i'm curious what you feel or why you feel coaching is having such a rise in popularity right now coaching of all kinds right yeah 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 there's there's all sorts of coaches coming online these days. Mm-hmm. Um, why is coaching so widely accepted and becoming more so? Why is it something people are more aware of? What's going on? Mm. Um, well, one thing I'm seeing is that people are getting results. Mm. And so whatever industry we're talking about, um, when people see people around them really changing, that goes a long way in encouraging other people to, to have an open mind about whatever it is that's going on. And so something I see in the coaching world is that people are updating the way they go about doing things. Uh, where coaches are becoming more the the industry has a lot of resources. We're all online. You can share so much. There's so much information out there. Coaches have a ton of support and networking. And I, I personally see coaches getting a lot of results for people. So just in a really basic sense, it's like coaches are helping people and people want it. So, I mean, it's really that simple to me in one respect. Um, and when you add in the network of the internet and everything, we're able to transmit to each other. Coaches just have a lot of power to help people now. Um, and especially since quarantine started, just the, uh, the acceptance of the online connection as a valid avenue for working together. Um, I see that becoming a lot more accepted, whereas several years ago, people would have insisted, oh, I'd much rather work in person, which still is a great experience to do with people. But I think the um, 
the growth of the online space and how much is able to be shared through that is a huge piece. Um, to go a little bit more meta in my mindset, I also think that there's a broad movement, at least in our country. You know, I haven't traveled a lot lately, but um, people are switching on to this awareness that there's a lot more out there for each of us. There's a lot more happiness to experience. There's a lot more connection to be had amongst people. There's a lot more health to be enjoyed. And I think people are just getting sick of feeling sick all the time and feeling stressed. And as, you know, the news media pumps out stressful information and work environments are not that conducive to happiness and health, I think more people are asking themselves, like, well, I see other people making these changes. Why Why would I sit here and and just live a less than than happy lifestyle? And um, I feel that happening in a really broad way. I think a lot of people are switching on to that. And, you know, there's a lot to talk about in that wave and that movement, what's going on there. But um, I've seen it in my world that a lot of people are switching on and just like, craving connection and craving craving all those good things that coaches have to bring yeah you know and uh it's funny i talked to doug pillar about this you know and we just you know the way that he described it is the way that i describe it to everyone now i just thought it was such a great explanation of it which was you know that basically what coaches are is they are the cheat code right and that's going to sound weird at first because people think cheating with like you know not putting in the work I don't mean it like that. I mean it like, you know, there's there's two ways, there's two main ways to trade energy, either money or time, right? And I don't know about you, but I always feel time is more valuable than money. And I feel like a lot of people are starting to feel that too, right? Because we can always make more money so long as we have time. But, you know, if we don't have any time, we can't make any money. So time has always been the most important, valuable resource to me. And so a lot of people, you know, for instance, like if you want to hire a coach that is going to teach you jujitsu, right? Um, you could go out and you could watch YouTube videos and learn it yourself and do that, but you're going to have to figure out your own process, right? Whereas if you hire a coach, you're able to use their process, right? Which is proven if you work with a good coach, right? You can, you know, you can see the results they're getting. Um, you can, you know, you see their client testimonials. You can see that they're getting the results. So my reason for having a coach, and I'm sure your reason too, and for getting into coaching is so we can help other people advance their lives quicker than they would on trying to do it, trying to do it on their own. Cause we've already put in the work to figure out what works, what doesn't work. And you know, why should the last, per the next person have to go through those same mistakes if we can stop that, you know? And, um, and I also agree that the whole like work thing in general has been decoupled, right? Where, um, you used to have to go to a place and put in eight hours a day and it was very rigid. You know, you had an hour lunch break and all these yada, yada, yada things. Right. <clears throat> but now, you know, people are realizing like, you know what? I can actually work smarter, not harder. I can work for my house. I can uh, spend more time with family, with friends. And you know what? When I do that, I'm happier. And so coaches are a great way to figure out like, hey, if I want that, then how do I do it? You know, and like the cool thing is, is a coach for everything these days. Like you can figure, I mean, you know, Tony Robbins been saying this shit for years, you know, <laughs> it's just so funny. He must be like, I was been saying this since 1989, you know, like he must be. <laughs> <laughs> be like having a hemorrhage over there at this point, but um, you know, it's just, it's just funny, man. You know, and you brought up connection, which brings me to a great point. You know, and 
Our journey in Colorado is a memory that I will never forget as it impacted me on such a deep level, which got me thinking, you know, what is it about groups of like-minded people being together and sharing experiences together that is so powerful? You know, like, do you think it's been hardwired into our DNA over the course of human history? And I'm curious if you've begun to notice the same change I have, especially during 2020, of more and more people like we were just talking about discovering that true human connection, like not like going to a job and just seeing people, but like true human connection, right? Like, like getting to do what we did in Colorado or just like, you know, meeting up for with a friend for coffee, right? You know, have you realized or have you you know, discovered that more people are finding that true human connection is so much more powerful than what technology offers. Um, you know, I know this time has been a gift for so many, you know, and it's, it's awesome. Like when I hang with my friends, like almost no one's on their phone anymore. Cause they're like, Oh my God, we're getting real human connection. Like I don't need that piece of shit phone, <laughs> you know? And, uh, yeah, it's been really like liberating for me and, you know, for the people I know. And I'm curious if you've seen something similar go on. Yeah, I I do see a, a cultural movement back toward human connection um, in the face of a disconnected existence. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it is a part of who we are and what brings out the happiness and safety in a lot of us. And, um, you know, everybody's got those friend groups where they say, oh, I would definitely go off grid and make a compound with you guys. <laughs> and yep. so, so what what's that about that everybody's saying that these days and it's a to me it's a feeling of craving that rooted cultural connection that that a lot of cultures still have throughout the world but that in our culture i've seen a lot of americans feel very uprooted and just like they don't even know how to celebrate christmas or anymore you know how do you even do these what what even is our deal anymore right (laughs) and so So it's like people are trying to re-figure out their deal and who they do it with and how they do it and what's good about it. And um, I know that's a path I'm on and that my friends are on and that my circle is on. And, uh, I mean, you, you're, I think you hit the nail on the head that, you know, it's important that people are financially cared for and have what they need to, to live a healthy life and that they have shelter and, it's good to have nice things that make you feel good. And also I think a lot of people saw that they went for that and it didn't feel as good as they thought it was going to feel, or they saw people around them experiencing that or whatever the case may be. Um, I agree with you that human connection is foundational and that a lot of people are, are striving to, to get back to it. Um, because the depression and anxiety levels are just through the roof for so many people. And going back to your previous question, I think that's a big reason why coaches are so sought after nowadays is because, you know, I can say in my life, you know, people used to see me and they, they saw me one way. Now they see me another way and they're like, Hey, how'd you do that? And I go, bro, uh, let me help you save nine years. <laughs> And in one year, I'll hook you up with some of these tools I've figured out through fucking struggling, right? Mm-hmm. And um, as people reach out to connect, uh, I'm personally like all for helping people get into connection and build network, build tribe, build collaborative relationships. And, um, 
you know, on a broader societal level, I, I personally believe it's the key to moving forward as a species uh, with, with some of the problems that we encounter. Um, I think that working together is the obvious and most potent solution to pretty much everything we run into. So from a survival level to a, a pure enjoyment level, I'm a big fan of connection <laughs> and uh, I love it. Yeah, yeah. man. You know, I was going to say it's the best drug ever, but then I realized, wait, I already said food was the dress, best drug ever. But if you put, <laughs> or medicine, I guess we use medicine, but if you put food and human connection together, man, that's some shit right there. You know, now and, we're uh, talking. <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, man, we definitely shared a lot of those uh, just like food gasm moments in Colorado. Like, God damn, was the food good? Like, we, we chefed up some amazing food. That what my favorite picture is the one of me smelling the pancakes you were cooking. You know, and, yeah. uh, dude, it's like the yeah. best picture ever. That's like right out of Martha Stewart. You know, like it's so good, <laughs> dude. It is so good. You know, and um, you know, the subject of being an entrepreneur and being an entrepreneur is definitely no easy feat. However, for me, and I'm assuming for you as well, considering you know the state of what you're doing and how you've lived your life, there is no other way we'd rather live life, uh, for better or worse. When did you first know you wanted to work for yourself and take the journey and go on the journey of being an entrepreneur? Um, you know, I, it was in college. I, I studied, I like did seven different majors mm -hmm. and I just was like, none of this is resonating with me. I, I, I just wasn't feeling, it, it didn't fit right for me the paths being presented weren't making sense to me. I didn't, I didn't see myself like then going on to get a master's degree and then a PhD in some, you know, field that I was unfamiliar with. It, somehow it just wasn't adding up. And I just, I graduated and I went and lived on a farm for a year. I was like, forget all this. This doesn't make sense to me. Doesn't feel right. And I went and basically wiped the slate clean and um, it was after living on, on, working on the farm that I, I came home and started my own uh, martial arts gym. And um, that was actually a dream of mine since I was like a young teenager. It was like, oh, wouldn't that be so awesome to have a martial arts community that I ran? And uh, and when I, when I started doing that, I was also becoming a yoga instructor at the same time. And, and that, was, that was the phase where I was like, you know what, I'm going to do this this feels right. This feels like I can really help people with the gifts I have. And it, I think what really lined up for me, it was, it was a question of like, not what major do you want to pick or what career do you want to follow? It was like, what do you have inside of you that really helps people? And that is really a value to the world, build a career based on that. And so martial arts movement, healing, all these things that are supernatural to me is what I built my business around. And, and that's how, that's how I made that decision. It wasn't like, Oh, cause, cause at the start I worked my ass off and made no money. So it wasn't like, Oh, I'm going to go be an entrepreneur and make all this cash <laughs> and live this like lavish lifestyle. That, that was not the motivator in any way. It was, I was just hungry to live authentically and I was hungry to live in a way that I thought I was really purpose-driven and helping people. 
And so being an entrepreneur gives you ultimate freedom to follow your heart because anytime your heart tells you something, you can make a damn business around it if you want, if there's a need for it and people are helped by it. And so um, that's one of the main things I love about entrepreneurship is if you're a heart-driven person, you have a lot of freedom to follow that, whereas sometimes you can be a little bit um, stifled or, or, you know, there's certain constraints in certain industries where you only have so much freedom to express. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that was my process of becoming an entrepreneur and, and why I'm all about it and love it, even though, you know, being a leader and forging your own path is an interesting <laughs> process, but you do get better at it for sure. Some would call it masochistic, right? <laughs> with, with everything that uh, we have to go through. But, you know, it's funny um, because uh, as you were as you were talking about, like, I didn't want to go back and get a master's and a PhD. Dude, I resonate with that so highly because I went to school for psychology, right? And basically, like, mm-hmm. I asked so many teachers. I'm like, so when I graduate with my bachelor's, what what should I, like, what, what can I do? And they were like, you can go back to school and get your master's. And I was like, God damn it. Like, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And, you know, I thought like there was just things that didn't make sense to me right off the bat. Um, you know, it was like, you know, it was like the feeling I felt the first time I realized really what Thanksgiving symbolized. And then that Black Friday was the next day. I'm like, wait a minute. Does no one else, <laughs> does, does no one else realize what's going on right now? Like, we just thanked for everything and then we're just going to go trample each other. So, this kind of sucks. Yeah. Like, this kind of isn't fun, you know? Um, you know, <laughs> zero out of 10 would not recommend. Um, but, you know, it was the same feeling when I would talk to these teachers and hear this. And I'm like, so why did I spend two years just doing classes that I didn't ever want to do because it's quote unquote required, but like, why is it required? Well, it's just because it is. And I'm like, but there's no good answer. Like, so why am I spending money to do math classes and English classes? Like you don't go to your accountant to get psychology help. You don't go to your psychologist to know math. You go to your psychologist because you want them to be a really, really, really good psychologist. So right away I knew I'm like, this is this is pure shit. Like, this doesn't make any sense to me. I was like, why, if I'm going to school to be a psychologist, should I have to learn anything but psychology? Like, period. Just doesn't make sense. And I challenge anyone to allow that to make sense to me because it just doesn't. Um, you know, Dean Graziosi, um, who uh, wrote Millionaire Success Habits, he's like, I actually works with Tony Robbins quite a bit. He had a great blurb. And I, I think I've said this before on the show, so sorry for those listening, but I'm going to say it again because it's so worth doubling down on. And that was... Um, that he's like, you know, everyone tells you to work on your weaknesses. He's like, that is absolute bullshit. He's like, find what you love, find what you can do better than anyone you know, like, and then, or find what makes your heart sing, and then go double and triple and quadruple down on that. And then, you know, when you, when people pay you to do that, you can pay other people to do the things that you don't like that they love to do. And then you're supplying other people with the gifts to do what they really want to do, you know? And, so it reminds me of like tribal societies where like the met, the shaman didn't have to go out and hunt, you know, cause he was, his job was to go soar the universe and bring, you know, wisdom back to teach the, uh, or to guide the other people in the village with. And the hunters, they didn't have to, you know, like build or let's say, right. I'm making up roles here, but they didn't have to build, you know, huts cause they were out hunting. Right. So everyone had their role and it was based on what they were good at, you know, not what like society told them they should do or that they had to do. Um, and so, yeah, that's just, you know, that really, um, that really made me curious there. And, you know, uh, as Paul check always says, what does PhD stand for piled higher and deeper? You know, it's like, 
you know, you're learning all these book smarts, you're using your intellect, but you're not using application, you know, you're not tuning into your heart as much. Um, and, in, you know, I know in my case, uh, it set me up for failure, you know, and uh, luckily, I was able to tune back into my heart and ask myself some hard questions and face some dark nights and, you know, and they still happen, you know, but um, yeah, I wouldn't change being an entrepreneur for anything. And one of the things you mentioned when you were uh, discussing your entrepreneurial journey was uh, purpose, right? And I love tuning into this with other people who are on their path of purpose. Um, what what role do you feel purpose plays in each of our lives? And how do you how do you go about guiding people to what their purpose may be? You know, um, in your coaching, you know, if they're asking you, um, you know, what their purpose is like, you know, is there like a a certain process you use, or I'm sure it's probably client independent, but um, yeah, what, what role do you think purpose plays and how do you help others find their purpose? Yeah. How do you, how do you find purposeful activity? How do you, how do you find purpose? How do you create purpose? How do you create meaning? Um, these are all great questions that we're all working on. Um, and there are a lot of answers for how that happens. Um, going back to something we talked about earlier, being embodied is a way that people can start to find some, some direction there. So the way that you don't find purpose <laughs> is you ask everybody else what the answer is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's one way I learned that you don't find purpose <laughs> is looking externally and asking everybody else what they think is the right way to go. And that's where I see a lot of people get stuck is they don't trust themselves. They're hoping that somebody, a coach, a mentor, a parent, somebody is supposed to tell them the, the right way. And I, I I think that's why a lot of people get so involved with, you know, certain institutions or cultures that, that tell you all the rules. I think some people find safety in that. And, um, however, like finding your own purpose driven action, um, doesn't necessarily come from somebody else telling you all the answers or the rules. So, so what I encourage people to do is to start developing a practice of, of listening to themselves. So, meditating, breathing, being in your body. How do you know what you're supposed to, what, how do you know where to go for yourself if you don't know yourself? Mm. Yes. I, I, I struggle to, you know, how I, I'm, I imagine people are going to struggle if that's, if they don't know themselves, how are they supposed to know what their purpose is? So I would say, if you want to find some sort of direction or purposeful action, it's simple. It starts with doing the morning routine. It starts with spending time with yourself. Um, because then you can start to see what your heart likes. And you can start to see, like, when I'm present, this is what I bring to the table. And this is what people see in me and, and feel good about when I'm around them. But if you're not being you and you're all stuck in your head and you're seeking answers outside of yourself, uh, I feel like that's when people spin their wheels for years and they just say, like, oh, I just don't know what I want to do and I'm just not sure. You know, I've been doing this for a while and it doesn't feel great, but I'm just not sure what to do next. Um, so that, those are the thoughts I have on that. 
Yeah. And, you know, speaking of purpose, um, because I, I completely agree with you, you know, and that's like a perfect, uh, you know, uh, situation in which a coach is so helpful because a true coach is not going to give you any answer. They're going to say, I don't know. Well, what do you feel your purpose is? You know, and they're going to turn it back around on you. And then, you know, and it's funny because people have damn breakdowns when you ask them that question, dude. Yes, they do. <laughs> you want to give somebody a breakdown, you just ask them, hey, what do you find meaningful in life and what do you feel your purpose is? Oh, my God. What do you feel the reason you were born was? You know, it's like, ah, yeah. <laughs> instant anxiety, you know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, no, there. that's Keep that. Going. No, I loved that, man. Uh, and it was it's so funny, man. You know, and it's funny because um you know, that was one of the first questions that Mark England, like I asked him, I was like, so like, you know, how do I find my purpose? He's like, I don't know. How do you find it? And I was like, oh shit, what just happened to me? You know, cause then all oh, of a sudden, damn it, it. yeah, like it brought up so much stuff. I was like, well, you know, this is what I love. And this is what I, and he's just like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And like 10 minutes later, he's like, that was some good information. Do you have some clear, you know, like idea of what your purpose is? And I'm like, yeah, I do actually. And it was just so funny because, you know, what you were speaking to is so true, which is we all have the answers within us for what our purpose is. But the problem is, is that it's a combination of we're thinking way too much because, again, we've been praised for being cerebrally dominant. We're asking everyone for their opinion on what our purpose is, right? And their experiences plus their opinions equals or uh, their experiences plus their just a view on the world equals their opinion, right? So they're coming from their point of view. Um, and it's just, it's a losing battle in that respect. Um, and yeah, man, it's just, it's so important to have those times. And that's what inner work is so special for to, to bring it back to what we started with here. Like, that's why Alex and I talk about this people, you know, because uh, it's just, it's so important to have that time as a non-negotiable because you'll be so surprised at what comes up. And that's where journaling comes in because journaling bypasses actually like your ego. Um, and, and it's just so interesting what will come out. Like I'll start writing and I'm like, where did that come from? I did not intend to write that, but okay, here it comes, right. you know? <laughs> and, uh, I think it's so special, man. So speaking of purpose, um, the morning mastery program, man, tell us about it. What is it? Um, who's it for? Um, all the ins and outs. I'd love to hear about it. Yeah, man. Thanks for asking about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it really does tie into purpose. Uh, morning mastery program that we're doing is a grounding practice. So, uh, I, I used to love watching martial arts movies growing up <clears throat> and you always would see these masters with like their, their practice that they do <laughs> to stay powerful and be, be aligned. And this is a modern day version of that exact thing. So uh, what we do is we empower people to create their own morning practice that they can follow Monday through Friday uh, in an hour or less, you know, 15 minutes or less, really, um, to get grounded, focused, and aligned with what they're meant to do that day and so they can show up and do it. So if people's goals are to connect more, how does the morning routine play into that? If your goals are to receive more financial support, how do you set yourself up for that? The morning mastery program is designed for you to intentionally create and live into your day instead of what a lot of people do, roll out on the wrong side of the bed, you already feel like you're fucked before the day's even started, <laughs> you grab your phone and get stressed out by some news you just saw, 
and basically the rest of the day is happening to you and you, you're just taking a beating. Um, the Morning Mastery Program is designed to change that wave, start pushing things in another direction where we wake up feeling open, we wake up feeling ready for the day, and we feel grounded and in control of what's happening because we're actively creating that energy. Um, I invite men to do it. It's a small group program so that I can really work with each individual. And we go for 90 days asking these hard questions that you brought up and then designing a system so that we can take action toward the changes we want to make. And um, I'm definitely a believer that if you own your morning and you make it your own, uh, you have a lot of power in manifesting the things that you want to manifest. And so that's what this morning routine is all about, is manifesting that life that people are ready to live into. Mm. Yeah, man, it's it, it cannot be stated enough um, just how much your morning really matters. And, you know, it's like this, like imagine you wake up on a boat and you just decide like, all right, well, I don't know where we're going, but I don't know, we're just, yeah, we're just sailing. Cool. Um, versus if you wake up and you're like, okay, we're going to go north today. We're going to hit this island. We're going there. Like you have direction, right? So our mornings give us direction, you know, and that's what they're meant to do. It's meant to, you know, of course, the morning really starts the night before, like depending on, you know, I like to schedule my stuff out the night before, like to a certain degree. But in the morning when I wake up, it's all about getting my mind wrangled, right? And, and, and centering into my heart and really just like, you know, like you said, creating that power for the rest of the day. Um, you know, especially like, you know, like, let's face it, we live in fast paced worlds, you know, and it's very easy to be swallowed up by just everything going on around us if we don't give ourselves that time. So yeah, man, I love what you're doing. Um, I've been watching it very closely and yeah, man, I feel like there's almost nothing more important, um, than making sure your morning is on point because it sets the tone for the rest of the day. And, you know, if you don't know where you're going, how will you get there? Right. And um, so for anyone mm-hmm. listening who, you know, has a has a purpose, right, and has a mission and wants to leave an impact on the world, I highly advise you check out Alex's program because it's going to get you there. You know, it's going to allow you to gain the tools and resources necessary to create that big impact and create that ripple effect that we're all so yearning for. You know, in this world, you know, uh, people, ins- you know, like people that create an impact inspire me, but it doesn't happen by chance. You know, they're, they're very methodical, you know, and the same way that Alex has talked about his morning and the way that I've talked about my little strange routines I do, like, you know, whatever it is for you, you know, just, just pick something that you do every morning and, and commit to it, you know, and make it your non-negotiable, do it, you know? So Alex, this has been so much fun, man, getting to hear your journey and share it with the listeners. Where can people go to connect with you and employ your services and find the Morning Mastery Program, all that jazz? Yeah, beautiful. Uh, I'm on social media. I'm on there. I'm active. I'm having conversations with people all the time. So check me out. I'm Alex Morningstar on Facebook, Coach Alex Morningstar on Instagram. Uh, I'm a very approachable dude, so shoot me a message. I'd love to I just get on the phone with people and have a chat. Uh, I'd love to talk to people about the morning routine. So uh, hit me up, give me a call. And uh, I'm not sure exactly when this is airing, mm-hmm. but uh, we do have our next program starting September 21st. Mm-hmm. And we've got 90-day programs happening throughout the season. So um, hit me up. We'll get you involved. And uh, I'm just always looking forward to connect with new people. So 
looking forward to, to hearing from some of you. Awesome, brother. If someone listening could only make one change to highly optimize their life, what would Alex Morningstar suggest that change be? I'll give you a, a few. Mm, please. <laughs> wake, w- wake up, make your bed, drink a glass of water, and take 10 breaths. I love that. That's man. what I'd say. I love that. You and do that every day and you'll start to feel a shift. Yeah. You'll notice it the first day. If that's your first day doing that, you'll notice a big shift the first day. <laughs> you're like, you're going to feel like a damn Navy SEAL if you do that. I'm not even joking. Wake up, make your bed well, drink a glass of water, and take 10 really earnest deep breaths. You'll be optimized as hell. Spoken from the master himself, guys. You heard it. Guys, I cannot state enough just how much value you will get from working with Alex. His attention to detail and lighthearted approach to self-development is exactly what the men of the world need most right now. And if you're looking to be the absolute best version of yourself, then don't waste any time in reaching out to Alex to explore all the ways he can assist you in sharpening each aspect of your being. Alex, thank you so much again for hopping onto the show. And until next time, my friend, journey well, be well, much love over to you. Namaste. What is up, everybody? I hope you are all enjoying the show, and I wanted to stop by real quick and share a little bit about our latest podcast sponsor, Freedom Builders. Now, Freedom Builders are a team of graphic designers, website creators, videographers, social media marketing experts, and coaches that build out your custom online business from A to Z. This is a done-for-you service, which means they do the work for you while you get to put your focus back on what you love most, which is coaching your clients and bringing in sales. Now, as a former online fitness coach, Mike knows where your struggle points are and exactly how to help you overcome them. This is why he created Freedom Builders, so that you can scale your business while protecting your time and your energy. Now, you guys know that delegation is a business superpower, and you can activate this superpower today by scheduling a complimentary call with Mike at freedombuilders with a Z on the end.com so you can start building the freedom that allows you to take your business to the next level. Alex and I recently connected with Freedom Builders for our Connect with Cannabis build out, and we could not have been happier with the results. With Mike and his team, they were able to go through an outline and create a personalized program for our experience, develop our brand identity, build and design a custom branded webpage, professionally edit our program video content, custom design all of our slide presentations, automate our email marketing sequences, create a seamless payment system for our offer, design unique infographics for our social media content, and guide us through our proven launch blueprint to generate organic leads through our social media. So if you're a coach, facilitator, or healer listening to this ad right now, and you are looking to put freedom back into your life, once again, go to freedombuilders, with a Z on the end, dot com, and book your complimentary call today. I hope you all enjoy the rest of the show, and I'm wishing you the best day ever.